Welcome to Hit Podcast. I'm your host, Toby Kennedy. As you know, we are committed to trying to keep our conversations as bite-sized as possible. This episode with Caleb went just over a half an hour, but it had a really nice breaking point at about the 15-minute point, about the halfway point, where we pivoted from one topic and talked about another one. So we're going to break this into two episodes for you. Enjoy part one of my conversation with Caleb Spittler next and join us next week for part two. Welcome to the HIT Podcast, HIT, Human Resources, Insurance and Technology. I'm your host, Toby Kennedy. As we do every week, I am dropping into your feed on Tuesdays, with what I hope is an awesome conversation, dialogue, curated, bite-sized thing that is going on in the space that we've wrapped our arms around and said, hey, look, this could be a multi-hour, multi-day long talk. Let's get it down to distilled 15-ish minutes and trade you that period of time once a week in your calendar for what we hope is good information. So thank you so much for following, liking, subscribing, sharing, telling a friend. We're watching the numbers go up, and it is awesome. So thank you. This week's episode is brought to you by Montage Insurance Solutions. And without any further ado, I am very excited to bring on Caleb Spiller. First and foremost, hello, Caleb. Hey, Toby. Such an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So Caleb is a renowned professional speaker. He's spoken all over, spoken at TEDx, spoken at conferences, spoken at retreats, former professional athletes, leadership all over the map of taking his thoughts and ideas and being able to bring them to folks that, that you know, are looking to engage in a, a variety of different topics. And Caleb, there's a couple things specifically that we've kind of talked about, but before I dive too deep, May I ask, can you just give the audience kind of the nickel tour on, on, on Caleb and how you got in the chair and some of the things you've accomplished? Yeah, well, it's a great question. It's um, I kind of have a hodgepodge of a, of a background. Uh, I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I was really heavily involved in the church world. Um, you know, as a pastor's kid, you're basically playing all the instruments on a Sunday morning, <laughs> preaching by the age of 16. Um, so I was really involved in the church world, uh, was a youth pastor for a little bit, uh, and then kind of got my start in business. I kid you not selling wall clocks, like the actual clocks you hang on the wall. And I wasn't even the seller of them. I was just setting appointments. So just dialing as many numbers as I could. My hey, goodness. you need to buy some wall clocks. Um, but, uh, everything changed for me. Actually, I used to sell life insurance back in the day. Um, everything changed for me when I started doing sales from a presentation standpoint. So when I kind of saw that, Hey, if I do one sales meeting for a specific product, I get one sale, but if I can present in front of however many people I might get 10 sales for the same meeting. So really since then I've been doing some kind of commission-based sales all up until I launched my speaking business. Um, but something having to do with, with presentation and then oftentimes sales on the back end. Yeah. I love that because you mentioned being the youth pastor and I know you're a, a father of four and involved in the church and have been historically. So it's sort of like, Hey, I grew up being in and around people and talking and communicating and then professionally early on got into sort of sales, you know, and we can kind of circle back to what that means and why I put that in air quotes. But the idea of, of communicating to people in general is something that, you know, it's, it's really important, really, regardless of what, what you do for a job. You know, that being said, I do know that you've, you, you know, you've really had a lot of success on the professional speaking circuit. And one thing I wanted to 
pull from you and ask for you to give to our audience today? You know, one of the things I know historically that you've been really well known for speaking on is burnout. And we actually did an episode on that, uh, you know, close to a year or so ago. So coming up on that, I thought it might be relevant to revisit this super important topic in general because it it, it kind of ebbs and flows, but never really goes away from an important standpoint. It sometimes is lesser buzzy talked about and more buzzy talked about, but it's always really relevant. So I'm curious to kind of pick your brain and have you give us, uh, you know, a high level of some of the the takeaways and the nuance that you've dived into in your talks and your research and your communication surrounding the topic. Yeah. So really briefly, my story, my burnout story uh, was when I was selling life insurance. I had one of my best weeks. I had sold a little over 80 policies and that was kind of one-to-one face-to-face. I again, was doing a presentation, but then would move people into kind of a five minute quick, let's close them on the spot type of offering. And um, I remember at the end of the week, the CEO of the company called me up and he said, Caleb, you just won the award. You're the top performer in the company. We're going to fly you and your wife out. You're going to have the fanciest meal of your life. We're going to talk about your future in the company. And I said, well, thank you, Mr. CEO, but I'm quitting. And he said, what? How can you be quitting? You just made all this money. You, you've had a great you know, season. Um, but I was just so depleted. You know, I would start selling at 5 a.m. I might finish at 1 a.m. the next morning. Mm. Um, and so what I looked at is top performers. Why are top performers quitting companies? And mm-hmm. that's not a good feeling as a leader in the company to have your top performer on an award call tell you that they're not going to be continuing on with the company. Sure. And so- I tried to reverse engineer that and say, okay, what do top performers need to not get burnt out? And it really comes down to three really simple things. They need to, I use the acronym CPR. So first they need composure, which is your ability to bear up under stress. So if someone is high stress, meaning there's lots of things that are frustrating them or making them anxious in their work, that will lead to burnout. The P in CPR is a lack of purpose. So someone doesn't believe in what they're doing or feel connected to the mission of the company, that they matter and the work they're doing matters, that can lead to burnout. And then the R is rest. Um, So people do actually need to rest and recover, whether that's sleep or unplugging or getting with some close friends or um, a handful of different things that we could do to talk about rest. But um, burnout actually is getting worse and worse with each up and coming generation. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we as wise leaders have to be on the lookout for. I remember seeing the memes about people doing something they call quiet quitting now, right? Which is like, they're so burned out, they're staying. And then the Gen Xers kind of commenting on that meme. It's like, buddy, it's called phoning it in. We've been doing this for decades. Like you didn't invent, uh, you know, kind of half-hearting it. People have been doing that forever. So it's interesting to hear you say like, yeah, it's it's been around, but perhaps kind of the numbers, the volume, or even maybe just the... uh, I don't know, blatantness of it, right? We're kind of saying the quiet part out loud now. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the hard things when I go into companies and talk about this. Sometimes the seasoned leadership says, shut up, no one cares, work harder. 
And then you have the younger people that are saying, well, I feel burnt out. And the senior leadership saying, well, you work 35 hours a week. Why are you burnt out? And so there's kind of this disconnect between it's not necessarily more of a workload or um, a more stressful environment. And that's one of the challenges that senior leadership is struggling with is they feel like this next generation is just lazy or um, doesn't have work ethic. And that's why they're saying they're burnt out. I think there's some other things going on behind the scenes. Uh, again, I mentioned not being unplugged. I went in and I spoke with one organization. Their engineers, their developers would go home after the workday and they would play video games for about eight hours. They'd go to bed at three or four in the morning and come back into work at 7 a.m. So they might only be working 40 hours a week, but they have this whole other eight hour work week on their video games, which is a massive dopamine spike. And then you're going to come back into the workplace and wait, I have to work for you for two weeks before I get a reward. My video game, I can get to level whatever in an hour. So yeah, again, I, I like to refer to that generation as more so sick rather than lazy. I think they actually need help. They need healing. Yeah, well, and, you know, this will be a sidebar, but I'll try to bring it back. But the conversations I've seen surrounding bullying, for example, and maybe why it's more pronounced these days is that at least back in the day, if the bully was making funny or punching you in the nose or whatever the case is, when the school bell rung and you went home, ideally that stopped and that was gone, right? I'm not talking about whatever might have been going on in the workplace. I mean, your interactions with the bully stopped in ways relative to how nowadays you can log into your social media and that they're still there. So it's this 24 seven pervasiveness that I think is maybe what you're getting at. It might be the R part in rest, even not to, you know, put words in your own acronyms mouth, but I'm curious if you can go with me on this analogy where I had heard that, you know, if you picture a glass of red wine and you take a sip of the glass of red wine, there's those sort of tendrils on the glass that are still there, and then it settles after a while. You don't just take the glass and put it down and settle, and our brains are like that with a lot of things we're working on, where when we break and we move on, if we don't give it the time to settle back down the brim of the glass and into the cup, we, we never fully settle from the sip. We never fully settle from the thing they were doing. Our brain never got a chance to get that residue down and settled, if that makes sense. 100%. Yeah, I love that analogy. Never heard that before. I heard, I actually just heard on a podcast this week, so don't quote me on it if it's not true, but the stat that someone said was that uh, chess players expend about 6,000 calories a day when they're in a chess tournament, wow. just from their brain usage. Yeah. where you know a typical person might expend between two to three thousand calories a day and so yeah. i don't know how true that is but i know race car drivers that's part of it too because they're so locked in for so long that physically they're not doing much more than sitting there they don't at me race car drivers i'm sure shifting gears and moving <laughs> it so but like it's the mental exhaustion i think from being so dialed in is what we're saying yeah so what is it what happens when you have a generation that is never unplugged and usually sleep deprived. It's it's not complicated stuff here, but it's uh, it's something that is, again, if you look at the data, it's getting worse with each up and coming generation. And it was the number one re reason that people quit last year. So again, as business leaders, I, I think 
you can say, well, it's not my fault or, you know, these types of things. But I think as business leaders, we just have to say, well, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. And it's going to continue to be a problem unless you learn about it and address it. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those guys that when people start in with those types of sentences, go, it's great. If grandma had will, she'd be a bicycle, right? I don't care about if things were different, they'd be different. Of course they were. We got to face reality on reality's terms. We got to face where the pieces are on the board. And like you said, Saying it's not my fault doesn't mean it's not my problem. It's such a great way to point out that realities are what they are. And if you're trying to succeed, even from a coldly business perspective, let alone do the right thing by your employees, let alone, you know, hope that the people that work for you actually live fruitful lives. If all you're caring about is literally just their productivity, there's enough in it for that as well. And I'd be curious to sort of hear you kind of talk to me about from an employer listening to this, you know, even if they're nodding their head in agreement, what are they supposed to do? What am I supposed to do about the fact that my guys play eight hours of video games or don't unplug or I'm getting some burnt out fried version of my employee? What, what What's an employer to do? Yeah, it's a it's a big challenge. Um, you know, without pitching myself, I do believe education is a huge thing. I mean, when I went in to work with this company and I met with these uh, software developers, uh, they just didn't know that their brain needed that rest. They didn't know that even one hour less sleep a night would affect their performance and their mental health in the way that it did. And so literally just one tweak of me just saying, hey, why don't you try you know, two, three nights a week, not playing any video games and going to bed at a decent hour. And I remember the CEO reached out to me a month later and he said, wow, they're performing so much better. I'm like, this is why you pay me the big bucks because I tell you That's people- right get a good night's sleep. Um, but I do think education is part of it. If they don't know that they're destroying their brain. Yeah. Um, so I always tell people you can set an example for them. You know, if you're sending emails at one in the morning and on vacation, that's not helpful. You can encourage them. So you can say, hey, on your breaks, actually take time off and then you can educate them. So if you can bring in resources or, or people that can help your team, um, that can create a big shift in your organization as well. Well, you joke about paying you the big bucks and I appreciate, you know, the humility and not trying to pitch yourself. But if someone's listening and does want to get in contact with you, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to ha- tell people, hey, listen, you know, are you fielding phone calls and what's a good way in place to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can just shoot me an email, info at calebspitler.com, cool. uh, which you can't even look up. My website's not even up right now. Uh, we'll Caleb's throw it on the lower <laughs> third. There'll they'll, they'll be text below when we, when we edit this out. So it'll be, it'll be on there for you. That's perfect, man. Um, so, okay. So from an employer standpoint, you mentioned, you know, education, a couple of different things, anything else within the CPR of burnout that you feel like if someone's listening today would be a good takeaway for them? I mean, you've, you've lived this, you've spoken on this, you've done the research, be curious to hear if there's another nugget or two we can mine from you. Yeah. In terms of energy management, again, stress is a, is a big one. So I talked about that composure piece. If you're primarily functioning from a place of stress and a lot of commission-based sales reps struggle with this because you have to go out and get get paid. Um, if every day the thing that energizes you is I'm stressed out, um, your body is dumping in this huge burst of short-term energy and it's just not sustainable long-term. So when I was kind of on my way to the top, everybody was applauding me. Hey, good job. Look at Caleb go but I was using unsustainable energy in that we had just moved into this big house. I was super stressed about finances and I was crazy hard worker, 
but it wasn't because I love the work or I felt like I was on mission. It was because I was stressed out. And so it is that fight or flight. Some people are extremely productive, but from a place of fight or flight. And so I think if you can help your team work from a place of purpose, that is extremely powerful, which again, they know that they matter to your team and they know that the work that you're doing matters. I'm such a big believer in, in sales teams selling your team on the product before they go sell the product. So it's not enough. As much as people tell you, hey, I'm in this sales role for the money, like even salespeople want to feel like they're making a difference in the world. So if you can show your team, here's how we're actually helping people, I think that does go a long way to people feeling a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in their work. That's all the time we have for you this week on the show. Join us next week for part two of our conversation with Caleb Spittler. Until next week, make this the best week yet.